happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. First things first, if you have not listened to our excellent, I'll say it, excellent episode, uh, part one of our continuing series on Kate Warren, please stop today's podcast. Hold on. Listen to part one. Uh, I'm I'm saying it's great, not necessarily uh, because... Well, certainly not because of me, uh, not even because of my co-host, but we have a very special guest on that episode. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead. We'll wait. Three, two, one. Okay. That should do it. Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Noah. That's another example of the magic of podcasting. You can just freeze time or accelerate it. Or are you one of those ones that listens to podcasts at quadruple speed? You monster. You should be ashamed of yourself. Anybody? Casey? Super producer Casey Pegram? No, I find that just terrifying that people do that that people like 2x their way through a series or something I, I feel like you're missing all the nuance and all the humanity when you do that yeah it's just like a big information download into your brain yeah i've done it before but it's if you're gonna mess with the speed i think it's it's much more fun to uh take that chopped and screwed remix approach and slow the host down uh <laughs> because because there's nothing there's nothing quite as hilarious as hearing uh, some of your favorite podcasters sound like they're on a mixtape that way. Um, but speaking of favorite podcasters, Noel, super producer Casey Pegram, I think uh, it's official that you and I have a uh, brand new favorite podcaster who is actually working with us on today's episode. Is that correct? Um, I can say that. I don't want to speak for Casey Pegram. I mean, he could have had a horrible time last episode. I don't think that's true, Casey. No, no. I, I'm having a great time as well. Fantastic. So I think we're all in agreement. Yes, our new favorite podcaster is with us again today. Joe Piazza, uh, author, um, journalist, and podcaster, host of the new series in conjunction with the Tribeca Film Festival, Fierce, about badass women. Joe, thanks for coming back for part two. 
Guys, that was the nicest introduction ever. I want to take you with me to parties. I want you to introduce me to my husband. Uh, like that was that was just so wonderful. We are available for uh, introductions for hire. Um, sort of like what's that thing where you hire celebrities to like wish a birthday wish to your your kid or whatever? Cameo, cameo. We'll do that, but exclusively with introductions. Okay. Love it, love it. All right, good good side hustle. Good side hustle. I want to I want a piece of that pie. Everybody needs one. So yes, everybody everybody needs. A hustle, um, but a hustle can be tough because let's face it, folks, not everybody is as versatile as our protagonist today, Kate Ward. Now, Ridiculous Historians, when last we spoke, uh, we were building up to what many people consider a pivotal event in American history and one that doesn't get as much attention as it should. So now our story shifts to 1861, Kate Warren has established her bona fides as the first female PI in the United States. She is frankly kicking ass and better than a lot of the dudes who are her co-workers, but trouble is on the horizon. Kate Warren is literally kicking ass and also taking names, taking a lot of names, finding out names left and right. Taking names. She's naming names. You know, she is undercover and in full effect. Um, and I think that we can say with with some certainty, and I feel confident saying this, that Kate Warren actually in the next story that we're going to tell, you know, saved America in a way. She she protected the country in an incredibly important way with with what she pulled off next. Agreed. Yeah. And that's not hyperbole. I don't think that's hyperbolic at all. Uh, what are we talking about? Well, well, here's the lay of the land. So there's this guy, his name's Samuel Morse Felton, and he's, he's a big deal. He's kind of like the Monopoly Man character. He's a railroad magnate, if you're being nice, a railroad tycoon, if you're being honest. And he, uh, he knew that Lincoln, his, his buddy Lincoln's inauguration was coming up in March of 1861. And then he had this terrifying light bulb moment of an epiphany where he said to himself, you know, secessionists are all around the country. The, the country's lousy with these people and they're dangerous and they're getting more and more dangerous by the minute and they hate Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, secessionists are the ones who are just like vehemently opposed uh, the idea of abolishing slavery. They wanted to secede from the Union. You, you know all that. Um, but yeah, it's true. In 1861, this train trip was going to happen, and uh, Lincoln's pal realized, okay, this could be problematic. So they decided that he needed kind of a cover um, so that it wouldn't be you know quite as obvious which train car he was on and for this leg of the trip in particular. Well, and it's worth noting, too, that the Secret Service didn't exist at this time. Right. So Lincoln, who is the president-elect, who is traveling to Washington, D.C. for his big inauguration, huge deal, about to completely change the course of history, which the secessionists knew, and that's why they were so terrified of him and why they wanted to, to destroy him. He had no protection. He he did not have armed guards. And him and Samuel Morse Felton were trying to figure out how can he get to Washington, D.C. for this inauguration um, without being killed. 
And re- really quickly, I just want to point out, um, we know Lincoln was an incredibly divisive figure. These secessionists absolutely hated him because they knew um, what he stood for and what he had planned, um, essentially. Uh, he was getting all these death threats. And, and one of these is the weirdest weird flex death threat I've ever heard of in my life. It's my favorite. Yeah, Ben, you one. do the honors. You no, do the no, honors. no, no, no. Okay. Well, one of them, you know, a knife. I get that. Ooh, okay. Bye. You're coming Bye. for me. A bullet. Maybe with my name written on it. Cool. Ooh, Got too, that. Too soon. How, too soon. How about a spider filled dumpling? You never see it coming. The spider filled dumpling. <laughs> that sounds like something out of it. Like that scene where in the Chinese restaurant, you know, and like all like the fortune cookie turns into an eyeball. Then you got the dumpling that spiders crawl out. I mean, this is uh, comical, but, you know, effective. Uh, they definitely were sending a message. And, and Lincoln knew he wasn't safe, especially in these territories where secessionists were uh, a little more prevalent. Yeah, you can't you can't keep an eye on every single spider filled dumpling. That's just the reality of the country Lincoln was living in at the time. So they had to figure out something to your to your excellent points here. So Samuel Morse Felton meets up with Pinkerton, the agency, and, and, and Pinkerton says, OK, we've looked through the death threats, dumplings, knives, bullets, etc. at all. And we feel like we have pinpointed the area where we are most likely to see, they called it a true threat, but we're most likely to see action coming out of all this equivalence of 19th century hate mail. And they said, this threat is most likely to happen in Baltimore because out of all the spots on your itinerary, Baltimore is the only major slaveholding city. Yeah, it was, it was a hotbed of secessionist activity at the time. And now, of course, I've got Good Morning Baltimore running through my head. I'm really bopping <laughs> Thank along. Thank God I don't know this song. Is this like a mo- an actual morning show theme? Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it, it's a wonderful musical ode to the grittiness of Baltimore. Just Google it later. You'll enjoy it. I, I need to learn more about Baltimore. I've only been once, and it is a really interesting city. Obviously, a lot of what I know about Baltimore comes from the amazing HBO series The Wire. So Felton and Pinkerton met up in my hometown of Philadelphia, and they devised a plan. Yeah, yeah. They said, okay, Baltimore is a powder keg, right? And we don't want you, Lincoln, to be the non-consensual match to the flame here. Uh, But we can't get around Baltimore, because in addition to being a a major slaveholding city, every single inauguration route that we can think of means that we have to stop in this city. We have to stop in like one of the worst cities for you, bro. Uh, so this is dangerous because you are not on the train the whole time. This is the really crazy part. He's switching to a different train. You're going to arrive, they say to Lincoln at one train station, but then you have to get off and you have to travel a full mile to a second train station. And that is where we think if there is an attempt on your life, it will occur. And so this is this around now is when they brought in Kate Morn. And Kate was such an asset to them in this investigation because as we talked about in the last episode, she was so good at disguises. And Kate, even though she was we we believed that she was something of a Yankee, was very good with a southern accent. And so she could put on a southern accent and try to infiltrate some of these secessionist groups. Um, according to an actual quote from the time, adopting a thick southern accent, the New York native transformed into Mrs. Cherry, Mrs. M. Barley, 
a rich, flirtatious Southern lady in town from Alabama to socialize at classy secessionist gatherings. Oh, my, my. You find you find <laughs> gentlemen are giving me the vapors, I do declare. I miss Mrs. Cherry or Mrs. M. Barley, depending on your liking, sir. Well, aren't you a tall glass of mint julep? Now, go on amazing. and tell me about y'all's plans. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh, my God. And yeah, no, she would, she would like crash these secessionist parties, um, which I love. And she would often be, uh, I learned a new word today. I think we learned another new word in the last episode, but to, this is my favorite. Cockade. Is that, you know, those ribbons you get when you win like a, like a, like a prize or that emoji for like, you know, you did good, like a blue ribbon. Those things are called cockades. That's a knot of ribbons that signaled Southern sympathies. Uh, I'm going to say it again. Cockade. Uh, so she would wear one of those to indicate her secessionist sympathies. And she, again, posed as a Southern socialite, uh, lady of great finery from Alabama. And uh, that's exactly what she did. She infiltrated these parties and began to gather intel. And uh, turns out that the plot that they thought they knew about was just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a really good point because it goes back to one of our earlier stories about Kate Warren. Or should I say Mrs. M. Barley, in this case, you know, she was of Northern birth, right? So she needed to rep Southern in a convincing way. And this is, this is so brilliant. She used her previous research on that Adams Express Company robbery and her involvement in that, or her involvement in catching the thieves. Uh, and she said, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, she was super familiar with it because she had spent so much time cracking that case. And boom, it worked. I mean, she's amazing at this. Yeah, and that's why in the TV series, even though each episode is really a different case that she's cracking, and she, they all build on each other, right? So she's got all of this knowledge from this case that she cracked from Montgomery, Alabama. She's bringing it to the secessionist parties. And it's worth noting here, too, that the secessionist parties were fancy. Like these weren't just a bunch of like brawlers in a bar. These were some fancy rich people's secessionist parties because those were the people that were desperate to protect their way of life at the time. And Kate became really good at floating in and out of that kind of fancy rich person society and in a way that had to be really hard because it's it's not easy to present yourself into a kind of clique like that. And yet she was she was just such a butterfly on the wall that she was able to get into these parties and get the information that she needed and ultimately the information that would save Abraham Lincoln's damn life. No, it reminds me of that scene in Inglorious Bastards where they're in the uh, the Nazi bar and they're posing as Nazis. And what's that? I, I'm I'm backing you up. I'm hype oh, manning you. R- ridiculous sorry. story. No, let's you can't Ridic- see. <laughs> you can't see what I was doing. Brilliant on an audio podcast. But I love the scene you're talking about. Noel. Ben Ben pulled up three fingers like this. I thought it was a symbol representing something that I was either missing in the story <laughs> that I was about to tell. But no, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the backup. I think we all love that scene. It's one of the most tense scenes in in recent memory in, in a mm-hmm. film. Uh, I, I really love it. Uh, but no, it's that kind of tension of like, you know, if she had been found out, not to say they wouldn't necessarily executed her on site, but not to say that they wouldn't have. I don't know. Right. And they had the money to get away with it too. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. 
Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go to this point that you you established, Noel, uh, that got, you got, I love our dramatic structure here. I think we're killing this, honestly. Uh, so there's this point where Kate learns as, as you alluded to, Noel, the full depth of the conspiracy, how real it is, how serious it is. Casey, I'm going to ask you for a dramatic sound cue. Heads up. There's a new player entering the chat, as we say in today's parlance. is a man named... Cipriano Ferrandini. He's, he's, he's Italian. And he loves the Italian Revolution. And he says, I'm going to, you know, take the same stuff from the Italian Revolution to what I see, well, what they would sometimes refer to as the Southern cause, a.k.a. secessionism. And I picture, I mean, I, I just can't help picturing um, Cipriano Ferrandini. I'm picturing him as this very, like, flamboyant, outspoken Italian man. I, in my head, he wears a cape. He wears a cape all the time. Uh, what is the style of his mustache in the in your mind's eye? Oh, see, in my in my mind, we've got a curly cue. We've got a long, that, mm-hmm, skinny, curly cue. Mm-hmm. We're on the same page. Good. What a what a rascal! He really seems like a classic would tie a, a damsel in distress to the train tracks type villain, you know, uh, Mister Ferrandini. Um, so it's true. He there was a thing that he observed in the Italian Revolution, sort of like a method uh, of of uh, let's call it a diversion. Um, the idea that a mob would kind of flock around Lincoln, like like you do, even if it's not threatening. Although if you were that guy, like I would terrify me. Like I always wonder what it would be like to be in one of those boy bands where it's just you can't go to the mall without getting mobbed you know this doesn't sound like much fun to me no thank you podcasting life for me but yeah while that was happening uh, another group a secondary group um, would create a diversion or a distraction that would draw the police away from the scene and this is interesting. Beforehand all of the the secessionists would draw ballots to decide who was going to shoot Lincoln. 
<laughs> Who gets to shoot Lincoln? Who gets to? Sh- I mean, it's there's a, there, it's a very Julius Caesar kind of feel to it, right? Like, and because at the end of the day, actually, several men drew the ballot that they would be able to shoot Lincoln, which again to kind of spread the culpability around um, around the would be assassins. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's brilliant too. One question that's kind of lost to history is whether, Casey, I expect the sound cue every time we're using this guy's name, is whether Cipriano Ferrandini actually informed his co-conspirators that more than one person would draw the ballot. There's redundancy in there in case somebody um, chickens out or has a sudden moment of clarity, crisis of consciousness. But as we know, Pinkerton, okay, they hop to it and they tell Abraham Lincoln about this plot and he hears about it. What does he do? Can I really quickly backtrack just to Cipriano Ferrandini? What what would it would have been about the Italian Revolution or about his Italian roots that would have caused him to sympathize with the secessionist cause or to be so overtly like racist? Was that a thing? In Italy around that time? I, mean, I know it was like, you know, worldwide, but Was Italy a country yet? Uh it was a it, it was a sort of a mixtape of states. Right. Yeah. I don't think, wasn't Garibaldi, was Garibaldi the 1850s or the 1890s? Joe, yes, I think that's correct there because I'm not going to make you do it again, Casey. I'm sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to abuse your generosity here. Uh, But this guy, CF, was familiar with the 1848 revolutions in the Italian states, I believe, uh, that were part of the larger uh, more widespread revolutions in Europe overall. Um, Italy has had had for a long time a, a difficulty forming a sustainable countrywide government. So as far as this guy's uh, inspiration, it's funny because he started as a hairdresser. I don't want to take away from. Of course Kate's. he did. I told you. I met my my description of him, even though I've never looked at a picture of him, feels so right on. <laughs> so he was a barber. Is a hairdresser, but he's a he's a dangerous guy. I guess Noel, to answer your question, it feels like he always had that uh, racism. Right. I don't think you could support secessionists and not be racist at the time. Um, And so maybe he was just known for bringing some real world firsthand experience to the would be revolutionaries and secessionists here in the States. What do you think? That sounds about right to me. Can you guys see my screen? Yeah, he does. He does not have a curly Q mustache. I well, also- I don't know. It's just pretty well quaffed. It looks like a barber's mustache. Uh, he's a little older than I expected. Um, wearing a bespectacled kind of uh, gentlemanly looking dude with the bow tie. But I want to assume that this was in his later twilight years. The Cipriani Berendini of our story was much more the Lothario-esque character that we have discussed. But let's not get caught up in this gentleman because things escalate pretty quickly uh, and move uh, forward. Um, And that's when the Pinkertons swoop in and kind of save the day. Yeah. So so the thing is that this guy, their client, uh, is going to be president of the United States. So they can't really pull the leash on him too hard. Ultimately, if this guy's like, hey, I appreciate the work you've done, uh, but I'm going to be president. So I, I'm going to do what I want. Uh, you guys, and he pulled like a Tim Gunn move in my head. And he's like, just make it work. 
We're going to Baltimore. Yeah, they, I mean, they, could, they couldn't get him to not go through Baltimore. And they're telling him, they're like, you're going to be murdered in Baltimore. And he was like, I'm, I'm going anyway. This is my day. And they eventually did convince him to go to Baltimore early. So everyone is expecting him in Baltimore a little bit later than he actually got there. And that is part of what helped foil at least part of the plot that Cipriano Ferrandini was levying against the president. I love I love the the kind of uh, subterfuge, very simple uh, one that they employed here. They uh, made Lincoln get rid of his signature stovepipe hat. And as we know, he's a quite tall, skinny dude. Uh, so they had him kind of hunch over and covered him with a shawl. And I love this quote uh, from the Mental Floss article. And I love the, the way this is uh, presented here. Covering Lincoln in a shawl and declaring him frail. It's like this. This is a frail creature here they had to declare it every every time they met somebody new um they they hid him in one of the sleeper cars of one of the regular passenger trains not in like the presidential you know whatever uh, campaign type compartment so um the assassins the would-be assassins would have thought that he was traveling in one train but he was actually in another compartment and he was able to uh break off from the caravan um in under you know cover of night can you picture that conversation of trying to get Lincoln to take off his signature hat? Like that hat's his thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, my, this is this is my look. This is my brand. <laughs> yeah, that's how Lincoln talks. Like I, I, I picture I picture that as being very difficult. And we should talk about how instrumental Kate Warren was in oh, yeah. sneaking him around. So yeah, they they get Lincoln to take off his fancy hat, and they get him to stoop over a little bit, and they cover him with a shawl and a cape. But it was Kate's job to pose as his sister and to do all of the talking. She had to do all of this fast talking to say, oh, my gosh, I have this sick brother. Please let me get him onto this train quick. And can you please give us a sleeper car that is very far away from all the other people? Because look at him. He is so frail and sick and probably contagious. <coughs> cough, cough. Right, yeah. oh. uh, and, then she, uh, and, and then she ushers Lincoln onto the train. She's got this pistol. She's hoping she doesn't have to use it. She's ready to use it if she has to. So in this way, Kate. Warren was actually the first Secret Service agent in this country. That's absolutely right. Yep. Spot on. She does a, th this is, this is our dramatic moment, right? The calm before the storm in, in this episode of Kate. This is the moment where picture Kate Warren uh, with her pseudo frail, pseudo brother uh, in, in a sleeper car. And she is just like sitting there, I don't know, probably drinking coffee or something, staring at her pistol. She does not sleep at all that night, not one wink. Uh, and they get to Baltimore safely. Warren no longer has to pose as uh, Lincoln's protective sibling. But there's an interesting thing that happens. They unhitch the sleeper car from the train. So they don't make this, you know, frail, non-haberdash Lincoln walk the streets. They, uh, it's weird. It's like a take the mountain to the person kind of thing. They just move the train car, which is crazy. I didn't know you could do that. They move the train car by horse through the streets of Baltimore in order to hitch it to another train that will then get them to, to Washington. It would have been a pretty bumpy ride, wouldn't it? Weren't the streets all like cobblestone in those days? Oh, yeah. It would have been rough. Ugh. And so this is another tense moment because they had to wait in this car and they have to say, well, you know, we hope that this horse pulled 
train car isn't too anomalous. It doesn't arouse too much suspicion, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But it works. They connect this car to that train a mile away. Lincoln somehow stays unnoticed. And you you guys know the whole time he's in the sleeping car, he's he's probably saying to his aides like, well, I just don't understand why you guys turned so anti-stovepipe hat. Everybody (laughs) loved it. And I feel like you guys are, I, I don't know if you're team ape anymore. I just, I wish you would tell me where you put the hat. I'm not freaking out. You're freaking out. And anyway, they get to that next train station. They continue on and eventually arrive in Washington. And the next day after this incredibly tense moment, Lincoln asked Pinkerton, the agents who were involved, to give him a visit. He wants to thank them in person. I lo- and I love this because he thanks all of the agents, but he really gives Kate a special thank you uh, because she was the one, she was his body person. She was the person that was, you know, hustling him around and was by his side and was ready with her gun to shoot someone if if one of the secessionists that drew the right card actually found them. And so what he said was, quote, and I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not, I'm no Daniel Day-Lewis guys. So I'm just, just pretend, just pick, put a stovetop hat on me and picture me as Daniel Day. But he says, I am sensible, ma'am, of having put you in some inconvenience. That's putting it lightly, Abe, by the way, oh, not okay. to, not to speak of placing you in danger. So he did acknowledge that. He differentiated the inconvenience from the danger. I really, I appreciate yeah, that. It was, he, yeah. She was inconvenienced and she was in danger. And in my head, in that scene where she's staying up all night and she's like, are they, are they coming? Are they coming? I don't think she's drinking coffee. I think she's drinking whiskey. Oh, I guarantee. For the look, right? We've got mm-hmm. to remember the aesthetic. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is um, probably like the headline that pops up for Kate Ward if you if you hear about her in history books. But as we established in part one of this series, she did much more than that. And now we have to look at the post-Lincoln operations or post-Lincoln career, which is sad because we'll never know how much more she could have done had her life not been cut short. I do want to point out uh, we are recording this episode on Juneteenth, uh, which is the the day um, of celebration for the abolition of slavery. And if Lincoln had been killed, the Emancipation Proclamation may not have uh, come to pass. Certainly not as quickly as it as it did. It was only a couple of years later that that he he made that um, historical uh, announcement. And you know we think of the assassination attempts on Lincoln in terms of the one that succeeded uh, more often than not, but it's really the one that didn't succeed that gave us the brunt of what made Lincoln such an important president. I think that's a really good point. And to be just a little bit cheesy here, uh, it, it reminds me of, you know, the fact that history is a palimpsest, you know, everything is written atop something else. And I, I, I think of the Faulkner quote, himself a problematic author, uh, when he said, the past is never over. It's not even past. History hinges on such on such small things. I think that's a brilliant point, Noel. Thank you for making it. Yeah, no worries. And uh, thank you guys for joining in the conversation. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have one final kind of sad uh, little little chapter in, in Kate's life, which is the untimely end of the life of, of uh, such a brilliant and creative. I say creative because she was very resourceful. And in all these tales we hear about her and the reason that she's going to be a perfect uh, heroine for a television series, she knew she was like a female James Bond. I mean, she knew how to get things done. She knew how to get what she wanted with the resources that she had at her disposal. And I think that is the, uh, quintessential feature of like a great brilliant detective oh she's definitely a female james bond I mean, that's 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 how we're gonna write her um i'm i am curious we don't have a ton of information about the next part of her life but i it, there had to be other interesting cases which is why there I, it just feels like there's so many holes in her story because what we do know is that she continued working for pinkerton through the civil war and there had to be some fascinating things that came up during the Civil War, right? What does creep me out a little bit is that sometimes, and this, I think this partly shows Pinkerton's great respect for her, but also shows Pinkerton how how pretty Pinkerton thought she was because she would sometimes, but they would pose as a couple, right? They would they would they would do work where they were posing as a couple in order to infiltrate a case, and they did that a lot, particularly in in Southern society, and to gain crucial military intelligence. And, you know, to that end, it seems like Pinkerton and his work with Kate were probably quite crucial to a lot of the war efforts. So I think that part of her life, it's sad to me that that that, that has been forgotten. Agreed. You know, there are tales untold, right? And and this is, you know, this is one of the one of the balancing acts about uh, about history. And it, I, I think if we're being completely honest, a large part of why there's so much missing information here, I, I would, I think you could say, well, maybe a lot of these operations were on the hush and they had to be secret. But I, I think it'd be naive to not acknowledge that a huge part of why we don't know more about her adventures is because history was not giving women their due, bringing it back to fierce. Uh, so we do know one thing about what ultimately happened to Kate Warren. Uh, as we established, we don't know her exact date of birth, not even the year, 
but we do know when she passed away. That was on January 28th, 1868. She was either 35 or 38. But again, not the kind of person you would want to press that question on. Um, she did not, uh, it's, it's not a violent cause of death. It was pneumonia, I believe. And before that happened, the last years of her life, um, again, showing Pinkerton's great abiding respect for her, uh, he made her the um, the superintendent of the agency's Bureau for Women because not only was she herself such an important figure in the detective agency, she led to Pinkerton realizing the... the uh, effectiveness of of female agents and he hired many more and she would train them um so she was able to kind of pass on uh, that legacy to many of the other uh, female pinkerton detectives that is a mouthful um uh, we do know unfortunately that uh after pinkerton himself passed away um his children kind of dismantled the agency um and really like again like we talked about a little bit at the top of the show moved it much more towards the kind of strike breaking you know bully squad that we kind of think about them as uh today but you know let's highlight this period of of relative progressiveness within this agency and give pinkerton uh the original his props um for seeing you know the promise of, uh, of of women in detective work and obviously it wouldn't be it would be decades before women were allowed to be police officers so this was pretty forward thinking well yeah and you know by decades it would be more than a hundred years before women were allowed to be police officers in our country and it, it's also worth noting that Pinkerton was named as the head of the Union Intelligence Service, which did eventually become the Secret Service. So it is not a stretch at all to say that Kate Warren really was that first Secret Service agent. And this is this is fascinating because we do end with questions and we do have a mystery. I mean, the 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 relatively uh, scant details we know are all pretty astonishing. Like you said, Joe, first female Secret Service agent, uh, first female detective uh, in the U.S., at least. Oddly enough, the Pinkerton Detective Agency, uh, the the collections that you can read, uh, they don't have a ton of references to war. Not nearly as many as you would think, especially considering that her boss and everybody else seemed so captivated with her on, on multiple levels. Uh, there is one pamphlet that describes Kate Warren, uh, but it's it's a pamphlet that was published entirely to repudiate the claims of a another detective force, right? And also ran detective force who said, you know, that whole Lincoln thing that was like maybe a little Pinkerton, but it was mainly us. Like it was it was the John A. Kennedy detective force, and so Pinkerton, you know. In, in the uh, the way we would say it today, Pinkerton clapped back and they said, no, we saved the day and we did it uh, with, with several agents, including Kate Warren. And I, I like to imagine a little mic drop where they're like, maybe you've heard of her. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing you might not know, um, I didn't know until very recently, is the uh, the slogan for the Pinkerton agency, uh, and this remains to this day, the Pinkertons are still around. Um, again, after some of those nasty strike-breaking periods in their career, there was actually something called the Pinkerton Act that forbade them from like holding certain positions, anyone associated with the Pinkerton Detective Agency. So they really were like you know officially persona non grata after that kind of rough patch. But they are around to this day. They became kind 
kind of a private security agency, almost like Blackwater. Not not quite as uh, quite as divisive, but uh, definitely uh, in the same vein where you think you could hire them out to you know protect a, a famous person or something like that. But to this day, their slogan "We never sleep" remains on their site, and the idea of a private eye um, embodied with kind of an unblinking eye that's in their logo still to this day. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that that traces back to that night uh, where um, Kate watched over Lincoln, potentially while sipping some whiskey, uh, gripping a pistol, um, and and not closing her eyes. Yeah, and one last thing I just want to note that I think is so important and we shouldn't gloss over is that she then trained other women. One of the things that we do in Fierce is we talk about a historical woman that history has forgotten. And then the next part of the episode, we talk about a modern woman who is standing on that historical woman's shoulders. And like we mentioned earlier, history doesn't happen in a vacuum. Everyone needs a hand up and everyone is standing on someone else's legacy. And Kate Warren made sure to pass her legacy on to generations of women who wouldn't have to fight as hard to get to do what she did, but she opened those doors for them. She started putting tiny little cracks in the glass ceiling such that then a hundred years later, yeah, we did have women patrolling the streets in Philadelphia and all of our country. And now we have women leading, leading police departments for better or worse. And we'll see what happens to all of them. And I think that is the perfect note for us to end on today. This has been a wild ride. Uh, hopefully this has been one that is inspiring to our listeners out there, uh, especially especially you younger ridiculous historians who are contemplating uh, your next life steps, whether you want to be a werewolf astronaut or whether you want to be a PI, whether you want to change the world. You can. You can, you can do so. Um, I have to say, Joe, Noel, Casey... I'm pretty much sold on the TV. It's going to be so good, guys. I can't oh, yeah. wait. I think everybody should be by now. Because again, like it's perfect because of the mystery. It allows you to take some creative license. It can be a combination of a historical fact, a little bit of embellishment, maybe a little over the top Tarantino-ness where she really gets to like blow some bad guys away. That's just me. That's just my two cents. Mm -hmm. This is your thing, Joe. Uh, but I, for one, can't wait to see it. Um, and I, for one, want to thank you for coming on the show and being part of this awesome two-parter. I think we all learned a lot. I, for one, learned the word cockade. I had to say it again. Thank you for having me. I also learned cockade. And... This was a blast. I mean, it gave me, there's there's not a lot of times that I get to express my love for the Pinkerton album. And this was one of them. So this just, it just feels really special to me. Yeah. We contain yeah. multitudes, Joe. <laughs> so Joe, thank you so much again um, for, I, I greatly appreciate your time and for going on this journey with us. For everyone who has, through some woeful oversight, not yet listened to Fierce, where can they find it? Where can they learn more about you? And where can they learn more about your work? Oh, so yes, the Fierce Podcast. We now have eight episodes out in the world. And like I said before, each of them feels like a mini documentary. You will walk away feeling like you know so much about these historical women that you may, some of them you may have heard of more than others, but I mean, each each of them just, just deserves chapters and chapters in history books, of course, which they did not get. Um, you can find Fierce on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram. Instagram at Joe Piazza author or my website, www.joepiazza.com. 
Well, first off, huge thanks once again to Joe Piazza for joining us today. Big, massive thanks to super producer Casey Pegram, Alex Williams, who composed our theme, Christopher Hasiotis, here with us in spirit. Huge, huge thanks to Kate Warren. Uh, you know, I'm just going to reiterate what I think you already said, Noel. Big thanks to uh, Casey Pegram uh, for for nailing the sound cue, Cipriano Ferrandini. Boom, you got it. I can't believe you got that one, too. Okay. He hates us. He hates us, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's a complex relationship. Um, but thank you as well, of course, to Gabe Luzier. Thank you to Eve's Jeffco. Check out uh, our peer podcast. Uh, Eve's does this day in history. Uh, it's it's quite good, and it's uh, it's something that we recommend listening to uh, after you have listened to Fierce. Uh, also, write to us and let us know um, let us know what other what other stories you've heard about that you think your fellow ridiculous historians should learn about. You can find us. We're just like we're all over the internet. We're basically on everything except. Um, uh, uh, live journal and Pinterest. We're gonna get to Pinterest one day. I don't know, man. People even use Pinterest anymore. Is it? Is it? I don't know. I just. I don't. I still don't understand what it's for. I only just now figured out Snapchat, and then Instagram started doing stories, and that's like Snapchat. So why do people use Snapchat now? I think I know why. Is it? It's porn, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I think it's porn. And with that, I bid you all a fair farewell. <laughs> oh man. I just shouted out the youth of America. (sighs) We'll see you next time, youth of America. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.